In the film Dementor, Katie, played by Katie Grosshong, flees a cult and finds a job in a center for special needs adults. But she is soon made aware that devils or demons are coming after Stephanie, a woman with Down syndrome that she looks after. But despite her best efforts, Stephanie keeps getting sicker. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. The writer and director and co-producer is Chad Crawford Kinkle, and the woman Stephanie is actually played by his real-life sister. Here is my conversation with this director, Chad Crawford Kinkle. Thinking like, oh, it'd be this should be some kind of weird documentary style uh, movie where I just follow her around for like a month and see what uh, she does, and then try to stitch in some sort of narrative around it. Because my sister, um, she has a very very severe case of Down syndrome, so <laughs> the way they kind of equate it is they say, uh, you know, she would have the mind of a four year old. Oh. Now that's not true you know she's definitely way more complex than that it's just that they have to give them a sort of uh identification so they know what level of care you know she needs right right. and so when you're thinking about making a movie like you can't exactly plug in people that are not going to do what you want them to do (laughs) right because you know you have story beats that need to happen and uh things like that that was the first idea then i quickly realized you know, I'm going to be funding this because this is such a crazy idea myself. So it's going to be cheap. I have to do it quickly. So I'm going to have to do it on a normal shooting, you know, like, and shoot it like a normal narrative. So that means, you know, 14 days basically is what I shot it in. Wow. I was like, okay, so I can kind of use the documentary style, but I need to have, you know, I need to have another character for the uh, audience to latch on to. You know, that I want them, you know, Stephanie is going to be a big part of it, but, but I just need another gateway emotional, emotionally for the audience to connect with. Cause that's generally what happens with the, um, the main character. You, you are centered with them emotionally for their emotional yeah. journey for the story. And so then I thought, okay, well, who can it be? And I thought, oh, like a caretaker, like, you know, one of the, you know, their aides is what they call them. And I said, you know, someone, that takes care of us. Like, okay, what if it's like, you know, this person uh, who's coming into this situation, getting a job, and she's just kind of this wanderer person. And then I started just imagining that, you know, the devils were following uh, uh, her, this person everywhere she went. And, and when she would start taking care of someone that she really wanted to help, you know, the devils would, would, would corrupt them or make them sick and take them from her. Mm. And wow. then, you know, just as I was writing, I started thinking about, oh, and yeah, maybe she's from this, she has this previous experience with a cult and she can't remember exactly what happened with the cult. And so, you know, those elements just kind of collided together to create, you know, this idea. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. You have your, your other sister in the in the film. Oh, I mean, that's your, that's the, that's the, the lady with Down syndrome, your sister. Yes, correct. Right. That's correct. So how did, um, so how did she do? Did she take to it pretty well or how did that work out? 
she's i mean she's a total ham uh <laughs> just in general she's always one to uh turn the spotlight on herself if she can uh she's in this group called what they call it b team angels and it's oh, nice. a funny name but they it's like a little singing group where her and a bunch of other uh people with different you know from the same group you know with mental disabilities or physical yeah, you know, they go yeah. and they sing like songs at churches and things oh, and, nice. the, and the funny thing is she'll be the first one up there to start dancing almost inappropriately <laughs> just because she thinks it's funny so anyway so when you see it she sees a camera she, she really starts kind of you know acting out and her speech is such that she doesn't uh she can't speak in sentences and she there's only a few words she can actually say i mean she doesn't even say my name uh instead of calling me brother she call, calls me brella and uh so anyway when i when i would start filming her she would always act out and you know make funny noises she would imitate me like you know n not in my the actual words but just in her own gibberish she would say like she would you know imitate me uh, uh commanding people around on set <laughs> and, you know and just do things like that for you know the first couple of minutes until she would finally settle down and then i would ask her to do something you know that i needed you know for the scene sure sure so i mean i went i went at it with the right approach which was I can't have her do things that she doesn't already normally do. Right. right. She's just not going to do it. And I can't force her to do it. <laughs> you know, sure. Even if I wanted to force her to do it, I couldn't. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so I wrote the script with, you know, her basic, um, you know, activities and behaviors in mind and, and, you know, and then just would work with, with that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. You know, besides your sister, it's actually, uh, it, it's kind of a female-dominated cast. Brandy Edmonston and also Katie Groshan are in there as well. Was that conscious to kind of make it kind of through their, you know, through your sister's eyes and their eyes a little bit? Yeah, not really. Um, I, you know, I think if you look at the uh, the industry for people that you know work with people with disabilities, I would right. say it's predominantly uh, female. I mean, that's yeah, not, yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just for the people who work at the center where my sister is, it's it's 98 percent female. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, the, the like main character, the lead, the actress, uh, she's she's female as well. So it just made sense, you know, to have her, uh, the main character, uh, be a female as well. As far as a shooting schedule, how did you do it? And and also able to incorporate your sister into the schedule. I would think you would you wouldn't probably be able to have her in a really long day. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it would depend as far as like working with her. You know, the, the, a lot of the longer scenes were just, you know, at her house. So she was at her house anyway. So it's not like, you know, she's doing anything. We didn't like keep her up or do anything like that. Right, right. What, what would be funny is that we would, uh, put like a duvetine cloth over the, the windows to simulate nighttime. Oh, okay. And, and, it, it, and they would start going to sleep. Like they would get that <laughs> And you got, my man, Larry Fessenden, to be in the film as well. How did he go? How did he join? 
Uh, he, you know, he was in my previous film, Jug Face, uh, that came go. out in 2013. And I've stayed, stayed in touch with him this whole time. And I've always wanted to do another movie with him. So when yeah. I was thinking about this, this cult leader, I mean, uh, the name of the character in the script is Larry, you know? Yeah. So, right. so from, from the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, I wanted him to, to play it. And, uh, I, I tell this, I say that, you know, from my experience with him on Jug Face, you know, I say that he was my favorite thing about, making that movie and so i've just always wanted to make another movie with with him again and you know i'm like a you know he's like a huge idol of, of mine oh yeah even when i got the, the email with jug face early on you know from the producer saying hey i sent this script out to larry fesden to play a role like i was completely blown away <laughs> and uh it, it's just so cool you know that is cool probably our supernatural elements in this so as far as special effects, how did you approach that? So, <laughs> uh, the special effects, let's see, they're... How, what approach did you take and how, how are you going to do things to... Well, it's really going to be, you know, practical, um, okay. all practical effects, you know, that I can make happen first. And then it's kind of like, then if things didn't work, then we would use digital effects over right. it. Uh, like, for instance, there's a, there's a scene where uh, Katie sees like this blood stain on the door and it's like the symbol for the devil when, when we shot it we painted you know the blood on the door but it just didn't read very good at all and didn't drip and didn't do all these things so then we went back and i worked with a digital artist and we uh repainted and re-dripped uh you know the blood and then filmed that and then you know did some compositing over that so uh so yeah so i guess the first approach is just to do anything that we can uh practical because that would be the cheapest uh you know stuff we shot at the center with my sister uh that was all during daily working hours right, when, right. when she was supposed to be there um mm -hmm. which was hard too because you know we're working in live sets where normally you you have complete control over the set you know because this was a summertime as well so we're having to turn off the ac to sure. record that did not record you know they have good sound but uh, just shooting it in that type of schedule, you just have to shoot uh, all the time. Like I, I was a cameraman, so I just wore this backpack that held, uh, you know, the camera. And I, I would never take it off besides at lunch. Mm. I just wore it and we just shot, and, you know, shot, shot. And, you know, we didn't have crazy long days either. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. And you just, you know, you work with a very small crew so you can move fast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the really the hard part was that, yeah, the, the locations were live and we're working with people that aren't actors for one, you know, Katie and Larry. And then there's one guy who, who has a bit part in the, at the meat processor. Uh, they're the only trained actors in the whole film. The rest are non-actors. And so working with non-actors is harder because they don't know how to act. <laughs> and sure. then, you know, working with these live situations is it's locations is, is just another element to deal with. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just, I guess it was just built right to function in that way. And, and we're shooting a documentary style. I think maybe the first day I had like a shot list. Then after that, I just completely scrapped it. You know, I knew what the scene was supposed to be. I would just find the shot that I liked and mm -hmm. we would roll with it, you know, and you just had to kind of intuitively do that. And that, and which is pretty, pretty opposite than my previous experience on Jugface, where it was very traditional, uh, the way we shot it. 
and we, we had dollies, we had cranes, we had, you know, all, the, sense, all, the, yeah. all the funny things, all the fun yeah. stuff. But for some reason, I didn't really listen. I did. I, there were times I didn't listen to the little bitty voices in my head that would whisper what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. I would listen when it was screaming at me and, you know, make those changes. But I felt like I missed some opportunities yeah. that, that would present themselves on set because I was like too rigid. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas yeah. this process is the complete opposite. You're really finding your inspiration live on your feet the whole time. Wow. It was cool to exercise that (laughs) part of my creativity, you know, and hopefully my next project will be a combination of the two. So you think uh, doing it this way, you know, you said a combination, you think is going to inform you as a filmmaker going forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, just experience uh, helps, you know, and shooting it myself helped and editing it myself helped like wow. all in, in writing it as well. Uh, when you kind of go through all these paces, you, you sort of build up a fuller idea of telling stories properly, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to shoot again because being the writer, director and cameraman, like you start to think about the technical things with the camera. And it's just, it just almost becomes too much to, yeah, to keep sure. track. I would have to ask the DP. I was like, Jeff, what happens in the scene? What happens right now? Read it to me. And he would read out the scene again. And I'd be like, okay, right. You know, because it was just too much to kind of juggle. More on the film Dementor with its director, Chad Crawford Kinkle, in a moment. As far as the writing part of it, do you uh, have a regimen for writing? Do you, are you a disciplined writer or do you kind of write when you get the inspiration? No, I'm, I'm a daily writer for sure. If I waited for inspiration, I would <laughs> almost never write. I mean, I have to kind of every day that I'm able to write, I kind of psych myself up and have to drink loads of caffeine and <laughs> sit there in front of the, at the computer and just keep not looking at my phone and just keep typing, you know, as much as I can. No, I hear you. So, and it helps to just to be, uh, yeah, regimented. That's interesting. When you're, when you are writing, let's say you write one day and the next day, do you ever relook at something and say, ah, you know, that quite doesn't make it and you throw it out. Is that part of the process? Oh yeah, always. Uh, I mean, I mean, some days you realize that. I think Stephen King said it. He's like, you're, you know, you're shoveling piles of you know what onto a table, and you just, <laughs> you just have to get through it to get to the good stuff. And that that is very true. Some days you're just not going to be good, and but you know that there's something there though. It's just you're just going to have to go back and rewrite it more, more than likely. And it's 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 better to have something on the paper than not. You know, that's yeah, what I've, what I've kind of come to. Because you were shooting this, by any chance, did you kind of edit in the camera? In other words, you knew exactly what to shoot so that your editing time might not take as long because you had the exact scenes you wanted. You always are thinking about how it's going to be cut. Uh, even, you know, with my previous film, you're just sitting in there running over, uh, what you've just shot and the shots and editing it together in your brain as many ways as you can. And that's kind of how you figure out, Oh, like I'm missing some coverage here. I need this other angle. Uh, so yeah, that happens the whole time. I don't know if I, I, I didn't save myself any, any time. And I'll think by how I was shooting. 
because, it, like I said, this was more documentary style. Right, right. I, mean, I mean, I mean, really, I wish I'd shot, you know, about four times more footage. You know, it's not that wasn't possible. But, uh, you know, just because dealing with the subject matter and, you know, the nine actors and, you know, mm-hmm. the people with disabilities, like the amount of actual footage I had in the end that was usable was was slim. Uh, I had the I had what I needed, but I just didn't have options where normally you've run the scene so many times that you have really a bunch of different options on how to manipulate uh, the flow of a scene. And with, sure. with this, you kind of you kind of didn't. So do you find that the film festival circuit is a great way to get your product out there and to sign those deals? Is that something you're going to keep doing or or go a different route maybe? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that is kind of the path, at least it has been, you know, for for many years. I don't know, like with eventually with COVID and once that's over, then hopefully things can get, you know, back, yeah, to back to normal, again yeah. and people can start going to festivals. But yeah, but that is the way that's the main way that you build a buzz about the movie is through festivals. And, and reviews, you know, from festivals and just people talking about it. So it's like, it's, it's integral, you know, to particularly for indie features, you know, not, not really for like the bigger things, but for the indie stuff. And yeah, it's like, you have to have that. And for this movie, we only had a couple of festivals and then, you know, um, COVID happened and, right. You know, but luckily, you know, through, which is wild. The last festival I did, which was a digital festival, is is kind of how I rekindled this relationship with Dark Star Pictures because we had spoken before, and uh, you know the deal kind of happened from that. So, well, that's really wild. Uh, like deal making during COVID, you gotta love it. That's great. <laughs> One of the things that's really changed is because this is a market that n- didn't exist before. That people could sell it to a distributor like this. And there were more places for them to show it. The video on demand market is huge now. I mean, that's a billion dollar industry. I mean, that's something that God, when, when I was in college, people would have loved to have something like that, but the technology just wasn't there. It's either you get picked up by a studio or independent or otherwise, or if you can get, get it to Roger Corman, he might do something with it. But other than that, there wasn't a lot. So it's really yeah. an amazing market right now. Yeah, it is. It is. For variety, it, it is. Um, that has, it's kind of a double-edged sword too, though, when you, you have the market flooded with a bunch of titles that maybe yeah. aren't of great quality, that makes it hard on the customer to find your product. In all, it, it is positive and it is, you know, a good thing. But uh, like I said, it can work against you to a certain degree. When COVID kind of hit, I started, I was working on some of my screenplays and then I switched gears to working on a novel for a little bit. And now I'm back to screenplays. But, uh, yeah, so I just kept writing, you know, just to keep my brain going. Uh, and, you know, productions are happening. They're just, you know, new elements that you have to introduce, you know, during the COVID days, I guess, to, you know, for testing and things like that. Uh, so hopefully, you know, within the next year, uh, I'll be on, a, a, on my next feature. Do you know? Have, do you have an idea what you're going to do, or are you just kind well, of? No, yeah. I, I don't have a deal. Yeah, I just okay. I think the one I'm writing now is the one I'm most passionate about. So I think oh, uh, it, it feels like something that that could get made. I don't want to get into detail, but what kind of film is it? What genre are you looking at? Uh, it's 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 going to be horror. All right. Uh, yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah, no, another like folk horror 
It would be similar, kind of in style, I feel like, to Jugface and Dementor if you sort of mash them together. And, and lastly, describe the feeling when you have a script and you know you got it. And what's that feel like? Uh, well, I mean, it feels good. You know, when I finished both th this script for Dementor and the script for Jugface, you know, you just you, you're excited because, you know, finally you've, you've expressed yourself in some way. You know, you've expressed an idea. You may not, not know exactly where the idea came from. I mean, personally, like what the movie means to you. But it's it's a cool thing to, to to finally get it out, and then but then it's like completely nerve wracking to show it to people. You know, sure. it's very exposing. You know, and then and then of course then you release the movie, and then it's like you know times a thousand how exposing it is, and you just kind of have to sit back and let people think about it, how they're going to think about it. Dementor has a rating of eighty three percent at Rotten Tomatoes. It is showing free on Tubi, Voodoo, and for rent at YouTube and Google Play Movies and TV. And for Sci-Fi Talk Plus, you can subscribe free for lifetime access. Click on the link in the show notes. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.